This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back, everybody, to the MVM show. I'm Titus Headings. Uh, here, I got my brother Thomas. What's going on, guys? Co-host, and we're here with Alex Lanebell. What's going on, guys? We're excited to have you on, Alex, and looking forward to this conversation. The man, been... the myth, the legend. <laughs> We've been trying to get this going for a little while. It's just scheduling. We're, everybody's got busy lives, but I'm so happy that we finally got this opportunity. Thomas actually got to meet Alex at a show in Calusa, California, where they were doing a um, comp call competition and having vendors and stuff there. But before we get going, guys, I uh, appreciate everybody listening in. And uh, don't forget to check us out on YouTube, Mid Valley Mercenaries, and also Instagram and Facebook. And if you don't mind, write us a review and give us five stars if you listen on iTunes. And we're also on Google Play and uh, all the other, basically all the other servers on the old podcast world. So anyways, Alex, good to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the invite. <laughs> So what I do love you talking duck hunting? Uh, yes, I, we could talk for <laughs> <Nothing> days. better. <laughs> so do you do you want to share your social media? Yes, Alex, right at the start? beginning. That way, we'll be sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So I've got um, we've got uh, I'm on Facebook. Um, I got an Alex Langbell um, page going on. So um, you can follow everything I do. I got I got too many followers, and I just couldn't. So I just had to create my own Alex Langbell page. So I, I post into that right now. And then also I'm, on, I'm really active on Instagram, um, Alex Langbell Outdoors. And uh, you can uh, follow me there. And there's lots of good hunting pictures and stuff like that. This is kind of what I do. And then um, I got uh, another deal, Gundog Outdoors, where um, a new company I just started uh, a year ago. Um, posting up on all it's all about hunting dogs and you know in across the u.s and you can actually get on there and, and post up send us some pictures of your dogs or videos of your dogs working and uh we'll post them up and share them and we're we're slowly growing we've got over twelve thousand followers in less than a year and and i, I can see us just kind of doubling every year now so 
Wow. Fun stuff. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump right into um, kind of the beginning. Like, what what got you into duck hunting? Like, how how old were you, and what got you into it? <laughs> That's funny because I, I actually grew up in in Nevada, <clears throat> in the in the desert, and then uh, a, a friend got me. Well, actually, I, I take it back. My my grandfather and my my dad was much of a hunter, but my grandfather was the hunter. He grew up in um, North Dakota and lived there in Montana. So he was all he was the big hunter and and, and fisherman. And so he kind of I remember seeing all his pictures when really small. In fact, I I can remember. Um, when I lived in Montana, I actually followed him around, him and my dad deer hunting, and I think I was about five years old, six years old, one of my earliest memories. But, <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of always been in our family. And then um, I had a good friend who um, was from Georgia, and he's a big bird hunter. So he kind of in- introduced me to birds when I was about 10 years old. And then I just kind of went crazy from there, and I just kind of shot my first duck at 11 years old, and uh-huh. hen mallard. I can remember that, <laughs> and awesome. um, yeah, I just jump shot it. You know, 11 year old kid trying to figure things out, and uh, I just from there it just kind of steamrolled, and and uh, kind of just love it. I just love the outdoors. It's um, I moved up to Washington State. It's a place where I could just do a lot more hunting, and you know, Pacific Northwest, and. Uh, and it's been nonstop, you know, that's kind of what I do. So it's just kind of stumbled into the business and now I've been doing enough, you know, I hate to say how old I am, but I've, <laughs> I've uh, got a lot of, uh, let's just say I've got over 40 years of, of, uh, of hunting experience. Okay. Wow. I kind of aged myself right there. So. <laughs> yeah. So that's funny. You said that about that hen mallard, isn't it? Hilarious how there's certain birds that you just never forget, like the moment. You know, certain things, Absolutely. certain birds, there's certain pintails. I can remember exactly where we were, yeah, what time it was, all, you know, all yeah. kinds of stuff about it. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. just, uh, yep. it's amazing about duck hunting. Yep. I'll never forget my first, my, that, that hand mallard. It's just, it's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, so now you, you were avid, avid duck hunter addicted, like a lot of us seem to happens to us real quick. So did yeah. you, what, as far as, what did it progress to? Now you were a guide, does that kind of the next step that you took? Yeah, yeah. So just uh, back up to where, so I, I moved to moved to Washington when I was about um, 19 years old. Um, and then I just just went crazy. I mean, it was just because there's everything to do here. Big game, just waterfowl, there's fishing, there's just everything you want to do. So I kind of just dabbled. I just did everything I possibly could. Um, and then... Uh, and I decided I needed to get a job where I could have a lot of time off. And then I had a good friend who was a firefighter and said, well, firefighters have a lot of time off. And so I decided, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. So I went and <laughs> I started testing for the fire department and uh, took me about a year, year and a half. And I got uh, offered a job with the Yakima Fire Department over in the eastern part of the state, you know, a little bit uh, drier climate, you know, kind of your high desert, actually kind of where you guys live. It's a lot similar to the, the northern California, you know, the Oh, okay. Um, climate, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> um, just got a job with fire department, and then I just started. Had a lot of time off. I started just hunting, doing everything. I I got hooked up. I started um, guiding. Um, after that, uh, ran a little guide service with some partners down in in Tri Cities, Washington. Um, mainly uh, hunting geese and uh, you know small geese and got really good at killing geese because <laughs> when you got seven guys from Seattle who 
expect you to get the limited geese you know it's a lot of pressure on you so mm. i learned real quick how to how to hunt those little geese and then uh been pretty successful and and uh just kind of just kind of progressed from there got into the industry um <clears throat> got on a couple of pro staffs got on with uh with avery and zinc and it's when they were actually moving out west we were working together and then uh started uh just you know working with them and and then i end up getting a video camera it's kind of funny got an old a old video camera and just started filming um our well, season alex killing... let me yeah. let me back up there and sorry okay. to cut you okay. off well, yep. how did you How'd you? I'm. It's probably a lot different today than it was then. I'm sure. Maybe I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I mean, were those newer companies at the time? And like, how did you get on with that? Did they hit you up, or did you hit them up, or like, how'd that work? They, yeah, actually, what it was was they were doing. Uh, they were start. Remember when they had the calling contest circuits, and they were doing all that about 15 years ago. Right. Avery was still a pretty. It was the big company. It yeah. really was. It was, yeah. It was the company. And then you had Fred Zinc, you know, Zinc Calls. They were, right. again, the big company. And they really wanted to go come out west because out west you had the Bill Saunders. You had the final approach. So they were, you know, and they were a eastern, a, a southern Bay company, you know, out of um, Mississippi. And so I was uh, um, basically uh, approached by the guys at one of the calling contests, me and my partner, and they wanted us to put on some pro staff to represent their companies to get their name out because we were kind of they knew who we were out here and in, in, you know the in the washington and the pacific northwest at least from just a um guide perspective and stuff like gotcha. that so and so that was it was they kind of approached us and asked us to get on on their pro staffs and and it kind of progressed from there you know mm. um getting so you, into the videos and stuff so you, then you end up grabbing a camera huh what was the what was the first camera you yeah. bought? <laughs> it was a sony vx 2000 and it was a <laughs> it, it was a um digital but it was when they it was before there was high def and it was um they had the tapes oh the yeah tapes. yeah so, yep yep you remember those yeah the mini yep i still have so, a stack uh, of those from when i was yeah. a kid. <laughs> yeah so what is so, that what was the quality of that i can't even remember is it like 720 it wasn't even standard, 7... yeah yeah it was like i think it was a 720 or something and <laughs> it was it was, and it was still it wasn't the 69 you know now it's the still four by three format with just square tvs uh -huh. and and so it, it's it's kind of funny because I, I i actually went to that transitional from tape to digital as i progressed in the industry um learning all that stuff so i had the head start on that you know it was a lot easier to edit and stuff using right. digital editing and stuff like that oh, yeah. creating digital files yeah so um yeah that was my first camera and we just basically took, got took the camera and i saw it. what happened is i started just i filmed one of our seasons from the very beginning and and we're talking me and my partners we're, we're killing you know over a thousand geese in a season and we're and so we fell filmed the whole thing <clears throat> had all this footage you know like well, what the heck am i going to do with it now so i just kind of bought a, a cheap editing software at uh best buy i think it was and, and just kind of just started playing with it and put something together and shoot some music to it and and then i had this finished product about an hour and a half hour and 45 minute video DV, uh, you know, uh, film, whatever you want to call it, and it was called called it Rest When You're Dead. And so I ended up taking that, and I, I sent it off to to um, Fred Zink, because he was kind of, I was talking to him a little bit more than 
Tom Matthews. Tom Matthews is like pretty crazy in the PSG, but I was talking to Fred Zink quite a bit. So anyway, I sent it off to him. Well, then I get a phone call from Fred, and he's with Tom Matthews in China, and he had he had taken it to with him in China, and they watched it and they loved it because um, I was obviously we're showcasing their products and. But it was nothing cheesy, you know. It was just that they saw that we were using their products. They saw we were using their calls. They were getting representation out in the, in the West where they needed it. And, and so they asked, they said, uh, we'd love to uh, market this for you. Um, we'll help you create a cover because Zinc by then was making those 24-7 videos. You know, he'd had a couple of those out. He said, we'll help market with you or help you market it and we'll um, duplicate it. And I said, all right, well, that sounds great. So... They ended up making a bunch, and we sold a bunch of copies, got them into Cabela's, and so I just started kind of learning about that, and you know, making film, the rest when you're dead series. I ended up making, on our third one, um, Chad Belding was uh, was interested. He had been on a couple of 24-7s. He was, Fred with, he was friends with uh, the Zinc crew and all those guys, and, and then <clears throat> all of a sudden he had the idea, like he wanted to have a TV show himself. So I had kind of met Chad, and I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. He kind of approached me, and he's like, hey, I want you, Alex, I want you to produce a TV show for me. And I was like, I don't know nothing about television. I said I can make, put together hunting videos. And he goes, that's fine. I got a TV producer out of Reno, and um, he, they, I, we just want you to, and your camera crew, because I had, yeah, by this time I had three guys working for me, three young um, hunters who had taught how to film and put together. So you and your crew put together. Um, just film for me, and then I got a producer out of Reno who's going to help um, get the television part, to, you know, go, take it that next step, um, learning about that. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We'll try it. And so I did that. I did the – we started the Foul Life and started filming that and did that for <clears throat> three seasons. And by this I by this time, I had really learned television because now I'm working with a television producer, and he's telling, teaching me everything about color correction and sound, audio, and – and just editing, true editing, and all that stuff. Deep, so I got a deep really, stuff, huh? Yeah, just a really good education on, on doing, you know, learning about videos and stuff. And so I just, um, just started making television, and so, um, yeah, it worked out pretty good. And, hey, Alex, um, yeah. when, when you started going from just hunting to starting to video your hunts and you have mm-hmm. you know different guys videoing and this and that was mm-hmm. it quite a challenge to add that aspect to your hunting because getting hunting and being successful versus hunting with the camera and being successful is two different things people you're i don't i don't think yeah. a lot of people realize you're you're absolutely right it is completely different because there's things that you have to worry about when you're filming first of all freddie taught me that you you want to get the birds in close you want good shots you want to see the color of the birds you want to see their eyes you want to you want to get some good footage you don't want to just get little dark spots falling out of the air with shaky camera footage and that's what what we i always strive for in fact i didn't watch hunting shows i watched like the discovery channel like the history channel i start, i learned watching the way they edit the way they produce that's what i i modeled my editing and my producing after is what are the professionals doing and not what what billy joe is doing it with his whole movie camera because he has no you know training on it so right. i taught myself how to edit that way 
and um watching and the then best seeing what they're doing yeah, absolutely absolutely and getting that's why a lot of our our shots in the foul life and and then the next show the t, the grind waterfowl tv um why they're just all about um the just we call b-roll footage it's about scenery it's about birds it's about just really neat you look at the nat, nat geo right now and you look at all their shots are just incredible beautiful shots and that's yeah. what it's we try insane to i mean i think people <laughs> are almost getting desensitized about these ama literal amazing yes. shots <laughs> yes of things down to the smallest little type of bug it's insane dude these guys are sitting out in the forest Super, for two weeks yes. going to the yes, bathroom to you know going to the bathroom shot. on themselves yes. just to get these shots yeah it's yes, super yes. slow mo, high def, 4K, yep. like insane looking colors. It is insane. It's, it's but awesome. just yeah, yeah and, and just the, the the back to what we're talking about, how difficult it is. It's so difficult because now you got to worry about first of all, you got to get a, the approach of the bird. You got to be able to hide and hide a camera. And mm -hmm. we didn't film with one camera. We filmed with with two camera guys and another four still cameras. Yep. And then you got to make sure you're not shooting into the sun. Or if you do, you got to uh, you just got to set up to where you, you can either side shoot the bird. It's just so difficult, mm -hmm. you know, to to film and get it. And and you got to train guys to talk and have one conversation and not curse and not shoot at birds flying away <laughs> and not wounding birds. And it's yep. just like. Oh my gosh, there's just so much to it, and so um, it, it was. What's nice about what we did, though, is like we didn't do a lot of the the extra, the 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 fake stuff. The we what we did is we I rolled six cameras while we're hunting, and then I took that footage and I put it together, and that's why it was, it was pretty realistic. I mean, it's three sixty around us, so you got all sorts of angles. There was not a lot of fake stuff added in. It, flocks that didn't match because that goes on right now if, you know they might not get a, a flock to, to come in or they to finish right but they got a beautiful shot of a bird coming in and next thing you know they cut to another flock and it's falling but it's not the yeah. same flock we never we never mm -hmm. did that it was all what you saw was what happened on those hunts and so um yeah i was really i'm really proud of of the production i did for not having the experience or the the training going to any kind of schooling or anything it's just all self-taught and watching so um and people liked them i got messages all the time you know and then after after the foul life um i did that for three years and then um there's just some creative differences between um chad belding and myself and i just i th just felt it was time to move on um and then i left that um that venture and then next thing you know within within a week the word was out that i was available and then Bill Wilroth from Dakota Decoys and and uh, Matthew Cagle from Righam Wright, they're they wanting to do a show, um, and they knew I was available, so they they flew me out to St. Louis and we had a meeting. We talked about the titles and everything that um, that my expectations and and um, their expectations, and we came up with the TV show The Grind, and we launched uh, that same year, and. Uh, it's still on. Actually, both shows are still on television. They're doing really well. I did the grind for three years, and um, unfortunately, after um, um, I had to, I worked for the fire department. I'm the, the training captain. I, I train about 100 firefighters, and and so my they basically my department took me off shift work and made me the the, the training captain. Where I I worked from a desk, and so all my traveling and all my time off that I could swap shifts had to come to an end so i had to unfortunately uh, say goodbye to television um at this time you know because my my career my 
my work career is a little bit more important than my my hunting <laughs> at this point. What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, must be I an know. adult. But I still, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> Sounding like an adult. Yeah. But, so let, well, let me ask you on that. You, I didn't know that that was still airing on TV. What network is uh, the grind still airing on? I think they're on the Pursuit Channel, and I think oh, okay. the Foul Life. Yeah, I think they both are. On Pursuit. Yep, and then and then the Foul Life is. I know that's on the Outdoor Channel. Yeah, because so you have both... several hundred. I I think honestly, if I remember right, I don't want to blow any smoke, but I'm almost positive the first videos that I actually was watching on YouTube was. Um, the well there was you have a couple well you have several and they have several hundred thousand views now on youtube is the the central flyway also uh the the small water ducks one that was it seems like that was like one of the first yeah. things i really watched that yeah i don't want to jump ahead or anything but like that yeah. is like one of my favorite just because it's such a small little creek the right. deke if you if any of you guys listening you got to go check that video out on his youtube channel subscribe to his channel Alex Lingbell Outdoors, but go type in the search engine and YouTube and type in small water ducks. And it's like yeah, just yeah. the the movement of the decoys in there. And <laughs> yeah. then you guys just getting them right in your face. It was like, oh man, that was the shots were yeah. brutal, man. Yeah. 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 In fact, in fact, that hunt is I'm I'm actually in a couple of years I'm I'm retiring from the fire department and then I'm actually moving to Montana because <sighs> of that because of that hunt right there and, and i've been to montana a couple of times but i'll tell you what that alone just really sealed it for me and really and now, uh, is yeah, that like that is that like that a lot i mean it's it's i know you can't have, hunting's hunting you can't but perfect but i'm just curious like can you have quite a bit of a success there if you montana's um, been like this unknown secret that a lot of people are starting to discover yeah the season doesn't last that long but when the birds come through Boy, do they come through and and just the scenery you're hunting. Um, I, I've hunted geese there. I've hunted ducks on on a, a little bighorn. I've hunted um, ducks on that. And that was out of actually Dillon, Montana. Um, it was incredible. It was you know it was private it, it, um, where we were hunting. But there's some public spots there. And but you just don't think of Montana as a waterfowl state. You think of it as a big game state. And so um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great state. And it, and uh, I just I'm looking forward to moving there and uh, being yeah, a little bit closer because where I'm, I'm thinking of Eastern Montana where I can get closer to uh -huh. North Dakota the, the Dakotas and stuff like that. So do some pheasant hunting and stuff like that out there. Yep, exactly. That, probably a lot of fishing too. I bet. But you so because my friends where do they live, Thomas? Where does uh, John and them live? They live over. Uh, I can't remember the name of the valley. It's not it's that like the coldest place on earth. <laughs> what's, <laughs> but what's the name of that big town? The big college town. You would oh, probably, Bozeman? What's that? Is it Bozeman or Missoula? Yeah, no, Missoula. Missoula, Missoula yeah. Well, I say yeah. big college town. It's probably not the biggest one, but yeah, they live south of there, Maybe what, like, a, town, like yeah. a couple hours, I think. And yeah, yeah where they live is just kind of a weird spot because it gets insane, like 30 degree, thirty below a lot of times, a lot of the winter. But they, they said the same thing. They said there is tons of ducks around there. Where the, I don't remember the name of the exact town where they're at. It doesn't really matter, but they're, they – they're big game hunters, right? Like they're elk hunters. And I, I mean, I grew up elk hunting, me and my brother did before we were even duck hunting. And, uh, yeah, it's a good place to go elk hunting, but yeah, they don't, they can't, they're like all oh, these stinking duck hunters, you know, opening, opening days, like real close, I think to archery. And they said it, they're just lighting it up think down there in the like river. That everywhere. White tail yeah. hunters <laughs> say the same thing about duck hunters. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yep. It's but, all right. 
Yeah. So Montana is that, that's a that's a great episode, and you can really see that you see the snow covered mountains in the background, and you see just these ducks. I mean, that water was coming out of the ground. At, I want to say it was like forty three degrees, and it was zero when we were hunting. So, and the, the you could, we literally had. Well, I had waders on, but you could have hunted that with buck boots, you know, knee high boots, no problem. And they were, the, you could spit across the water they were sitting on. It was, was it really that, that small? Like, how wide was that? Uh, I want to say it was probably six, seven feet. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's even smaller than that's it looks ridiculous. like on the video. Oh yeah, it, oh, it's ridiculous. It, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous how small it was. You know, maybe the wider spots were 10, 12 feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, pretty insane. it was pretty insane. But it was just like spring water. It's just warm and everything's frozen. It's open water. And, so and nothing else just, really is around there, right? No, not really. Not really. So when you, you got you got food and you got open water, you're going to, and you know, you're going to have ducks. So. Yeah. so, Alex, a little bit ago you were talking about, you know, smashing the geese basically. Um and mm-hmm. when I met you, you had I can't remember the name of your dog. What's what's the name of your dog you have now? Your uh, uh, her name's Ellie. Ellie, that's She's right. Ellie, yes. So, yep, yep. Um, and you got your whole gun dog company, and you know all that. So, when did you yeah. realize that it was time to get a dog? Obviously, you're killing. You say a thousand geese, you know, quite a bit of birds. Yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. You just do that without a dog. Yeah. Well, I've had dogs my whole life. I mean, I, I've had my, we grew up with Springer Spaniels, English Springer Spaniels. Um, so I've had dogs, I've labs, I've had chassis, I've had two chassis, I've had labs. I've just always had dogs. Um, it's just part of the waterfowl culture. I mean, it, you just, you got to hunt with a dog. Right. And so, um, yeah, I've just, we just, we just always hunted with dogs. And, and um, now I got Ellie and she's just this little, this, this rock star. She's only 55 pounds, but she brings back these big 12, 13 pound geese, no problem. And she's just, in fact, we took her to um, Klamath Basin, did some uh, spring uh, speck hunting out there and some snow goose hunting. And uh, really, she, we, we shot a lot of birds out there. And she retrieved in two days probably close to 100 birds oh, and most of it over water. Wow. And yeah, in, in temperatures of, you know, 25, 30 degrees. So she was over water. She's my, my little rock star. Yeah. She's, a, she's my little wow. rock star. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there anything so, that you like or dislike about certain breeds that you've used over the years? Um, Chessies, I, I, the toughest dog, if you, or you live in the Northern hemisphere of the Northern parts of, you know, like Washington, Idaho, Montana, where it's cold, you just want a chassis. They're just, they, I can remember hunting with my chassis and they'd be just coated in ice and not even shivering where I hunt with labs and they're just shaking the whole time. But the chassis are just so tough. But <laughs> the trade of it's like you need a two by four sometimes <laughs> because they are <laughs> about pretty stubborn, the most huh? stubborn. Oh my goodness. But that's what, that's what they're bred for. That's what they did. They, they're bred to retrieve hundreds and hundreds of ducks, Yeah, you know, in a, in a, in a couple of days in a day, you know, in a day to go out with the market hunters and yeah. then the guard, then the guard, their, their bounty when they showed back up to the dock, you know? So right. that's just, that's what you're getting. But I, I love all hunting dogs. I, I really do. I like, I even like the, 
the big standard poodles. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you ever seen one of those retrieve? It's pretty funny, but that's you know. funny you say that. Um, my wife actually showed me this dog the other day on Instagram, and I can't remember the name of it right now. But it was a it was a shorty Jack Russell, and this dog's actually <laughs> kind of famous. He's got like, quite a bit of followers. Uh, I know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but that dog, man, that dog is awesome to watch. Yes, it'll retrieve geese, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because one of the videos, the guy's like, "Yeah, how much you want for her?" And the girl's all, "He ain't for sale." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, speaking of Chessies, yeah, shout out to uh, Adam Stam. We went and hunted with him in Wisconsin, and he had a Chessie, and she was a tough dog, for sure just would work and she was dying for the bird like she would whine the whole time she wanted to get that bird so bad but yeah yeah i just i do i I love all i I really do i just love all dogs any hunting dog out there working you know so it's awesome to watch yeah it really is so you you've kind of you've stepped away from the tv thing i mean do you ever see yourself getting back into that again later down the road not not so much the tv to be honest with you tv's kind of it's kinda dying, dying. Yeah. now they everyone wants to watch the internet they don't want to sit down and watch commercials right. they don't want to watch 20 minutes that they they want to watch about 10 minutes um so it's just these short films and you see a lot of them out right now and so that's kind of been the movement and that's kind of the direction i've um, moved towards as well and um uh, so just to, just to back up a little bit um so a couple of years ago, I, I came up with an idea and I was like hunting with my buddies and I, I just see dogs that break all the time. I film it and dogs are breaking and I know guys who have shot their dog. I know dogs are killed. And so I was thinking to myself, there's got to be a way to keep dogs from breaking, but releasing them real quick and training them at the same time. So about two years ago, I came up with a prototype and it's a, it's a system that actually keeps dogs from breaking. And you secure it in almost any hunting situation, and I can release them up to six feet away. So I built this prototype, um, went and actually got it um, patented. It's patent pending right now. Went through the whole process and um, actually started Gun Dog Outdoors, and I've been selling the heck out of these things. And it's a neat. I've been getting so much feedback now from guys who are using it. Um, they just love it. Um, it's it's not a dog shaming tool, but it's a, it's a safety uh, tool. You know, I can actually now. Like when I go to Canada for the first time um, for the year, take my dog up. She's going to be excited. She's going to want to go. I'm just going to have to be on her the whole time. Well, I don't have to folk worry about that. I throw her on the system, secure to to layout, you know, the ground acres next to the layout line. I can hunt. I can call. I don't have to worry about making her stay. Um, first volley, she tries to break. She, she realizes she's on the system, and I can just release her real quick. And, you know, when I need to, and, and I've had feedback from guys are saying that this one guy uh, wrote that he had been, he had to hold his dog because um, it would constantly break and he could never shoot and his friends were shooting and he bought my system and used it. And now his dog quit breaking and he forgets to put it on and still, it taught it literally to, to stop breaking in the field while he's hunting. That's awesome. So it's just, yeah, it is. It's neat. In fact, i um, getting ready to go to market. We just sell online right now at Gundog Outdoors dot com but we're actually getting ready to go to uh roger sporting goods and start oh, wow. uh, selling to them yeah they just picked up awesome. the product. yeah yeah so that was a bit that was a big help right there and so um yeah so i i, I just started a company gundog outdoors i get tired of 
promoting all these other companies and working right. hard and you know it's just like i need something that's my own that's something yeah. that's mine so i just kind of came up with this this idea this because it's the same concept as what what we use the fire service when we would wear air packs and we're sitting in our seat to get out of them real quick we just had a quick release tether that i just pulled it and then now you just release your your bottle and your whole body out of the seat and you step out and fight fire so that's kind of where the, i got the idea of of that and and it's just it's worked out really well i'm re i'm really proud of the product and and what we've done because it's not just a gimmick it's a, it actually helps people and it helps dogs and, and it keeps dogs safe because again you know shooting over your dog or that's just they lose their hearing chance of getting shot every year your dog's getting shot so um it's just it's a really feel good um tool for for me so that's kind of what i've been doing with the gun dog outdoors you know that's why we talked about the instagram you know that's a that's a promoting branding this gun dog outdoors is what i'm basically trying to do i got some i got some work so i'm coming out with a dog vest uh, next year um, really, really solid one that uh, I think a lot of people are going to like. A lot of thought put into it. So, hmm. um, just just working for myself, you know. And then now that allows me to film again in travel because you're making you know, an income <laughs> on the side. Yes, exactly. Because hmm. before, um, I mean, camera guys aren't—they don't work for free. Fuel isn't free. Traveling, you know, shells aren't free. free exactly and so with this now it allows me to do what i love because i actually love filming capturing it and and putting it um on on film and uh so basically now i'm just creating these short films in fact we uh filmed uh two of them and they're on my youtube channel they're both uh klamath falls last year we got we got several trips planned this next year we got a crane hunt in oklahoma planned we got uh, a klamath falls hunt um this year we got a maryland sea duck hunt planned uh so there's several trips we got planned we'll be filming again so i'm excited about that i got a a, a really good uh, videographer working with me braden Gwynn. Win out of uh, Kansas. He's all over social media. Great photographer. I yeah, I think I know who yeah. that is. No, you, yeah. Now, are you going to be throwing this on your YouTube, or are you going to be putting it somewhere yeah, else? Yeah, it's on my YouTube right now. You can go to YouTube right now. You can watch. Um, you can watch the Klamath Falls Part One and Part Two, and they're short. They're ten. Yeah, ten I've seen them. Videos. They're good. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they're just. You know, and, and now I don't have to worry about promoting product or doing all this stuff or trying to make people happy. I'm filming for just the hunt for yeah. guys like you and me who just want to see good footage, see birds right. working, see birds getting harvested, seeing dogs work. There's a lot of dog work in these now, obviously, because of the gun dog outdoors. Which people so. literally eat that up. Oh, it's, in, it's Un amazing. I mean, like you, it's not that if you don't have a dog, they don't eat up as much, but it's like, Half the people on our channel, like, say, I'm here for Rocky, which is my black lab. It's like, hey, that's fine, man. I'm, there ain't nothing yeah. like watching a dog work. Like, no. that's kind of what – there's this uh, – oh, what's her name? There's a chick on YouTube. Um, man, what is her YouTube channel name? She, but she – oh, Lavender Retrievers is the name of her kennel. Mm -hmm. But she is really good dog trainer. Yeah, mm -hmm. Girls Hunt 2 Vlogs, I think is the name of her channel. Okay. But she yeah. has a dog named Solo because he's a, I think he's mm -hmm. a master hunter now. He might be going for his grand. Nice. I believe that dog is unbelievable. And I would watch just for that dog, and I was like, okay, I got to get me. Because I just got my dog like a year and a half ago that my yeah. dad had. You know, he, he's got some junior hunt, hunters in his in his lineage or anything, but nothing crazy. But he's, he does pretty good. But um. Anyways, I it's like yeah, the, the watch a dog that knows what they're doing. Like watching your dog too on your channel is just like it. 
it don't get much better yeah. than watching that. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty neat to watch a dog in the because the, they absolutely love it. This is what they're living for. This is what they want to do, and and to see them do that and all the work that goes into training these dogs and getting them conditioned and taking care of them and, and you know getting them right and so it's a, it's a lot of work. But what, do you now you do all the training yourself? You train your own dogs? I do. I'm too cheap to hire trainers. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I self train. I used Chris Aiken when his DVDs to train mine. Oh yeah. But what, what yeah. did you like? Did you just have your own methods used, and style? Yeah, I started with. I'm, well, I'm a lot older than you. So Richard Walters, he's one of the first ones who wrote the Gun Dog and like um, Game Dog, just books, you know. And that's what I, the books I read. And I've just kind of taught myself, and I trained all my own dogs. And they know hand signals and you know all that stuff. So um, and plus, I I don't want to send a dog away to a trainer for for four months because my dog sleeps in my bed with me. Right, right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's a. I mean, she's in my truck. I love I love my Gunner kennel. But she's never in it <laughs> unless yeah. she rolls out around me in cow poo. You know? <laughs> well, put, so let me ask that. you that because that's one thing Chris Aiken really talks about a lot, and I'm the same way. I mean, my dog don't come in my house, but like he goes with me to work every day. Basically, mm-hmm. he's with me all the time, and then yep. we're hunting on the season. So, like mm-hmm. he was talking about how you know a lot of people nowadays. Uh, he used to call. I guess they used to call meat dogs. You probably know that term. But he said mm-hmm. back in the day they call them meat meat dogs, and that's basically mm-hmm. all they were there. They weren't really a house pet. Nope. But they're now tools. now they're they are. And he said you want that dog that can relax in the house and not act like a psycho. But then you want to be able to turn that switch on in the field and be like a lightning bolt. Right. Like is Ellie? Like have you? Do you? <laughs> is that her nature? Because if she's an American Lab, she has got that high energy. I'm sure. But how do you get them to be like that? You know, like where they're. You know, and, and that's the thing. It's like he's absolutely spot on correct. You know, I, that's exactly how Ellie is. She, you know, she gets a little rambunctious. She's only two years old, two and a half, but she's not. She's not out of control. She's under control. You know, she understands that. Basically, I, I am, the, I am the dominant. You know, I'm the alpha male yes. of of us, and so she understands that. And all I do is raise a voice, and she she'll calm down. But she's got incredible disposition. Um, she she just you put her out in the field she is a firecracker she'll she'll try to outrace any dog she's faster than heck she hits the water i've never heard a dog just you know flying she will the dive air. off docks yeah. yeah she just hits it so hard she tapped her first goose her first big goose i wasn't sure how she gonna handle it i was watching all right here we go and it was a wing tipped and uh she ran it down and she literally tackled it knocked it over they both That's rolled awesome. she got up back on her feet grabbed it like nothing and came back with this wingtip goose and it was a big you know 12 pound goose no wow. problem you know, it was just, yeah it was a pretty proud moment for me but but she's just i don't know it's just uh maybe i got lucky I don't well know. did you did you research and look at lineages or did you just pick it i mean random like where'd you find I have a, yeah i have a friend who's a breeder and he said this is this breeding he, he gave me heads up on the, the breeding he told me this is um, gonna be he told me the the mother's just a uh, just a firecracker and i knew the father who's just solid solid dog and so i was like absolutely i'll take one of those and in fact it's funny because you're talking about chris aiken um i actually my friend brian has a dog um, that is um, from Chris Aiken's kennel, and yeah, we're web-footed I think kennels. We're, yeah, and we're he's I don't know he's got this, something like thirty forty thousand dollars in this dog. We're oh. actually probably going to be breeding that dog to Ellie 
Oh, so, oh man. Yeah. What, so now, well, let me. Okay, so the stud is. You're saying the stud's thirty, forty thousand, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just because yep. probably all his titles and all that good stuff. Yep. He's a master hunter. He's got everything. He's just loaded. He's so you. Yeah. I mean, would you be selling? You know, because I was. I did a podcast with Chris a couple episodes ago. And he was saying that they basically their pups are going straight, you know, from the kennel, not obviously trained or anything. He said fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred bucks. So I mean, like, yeah, you know, is that what? I mean, are you gonna yeah. just sell them, or are you gonna keep the one of the pups? I mean, like, no, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna end up keeping. Uh, I'm gonna have a uh, keep one of the females. You almost have to <laughs> with that breeding. <laughs> yeah, and and then um, the, then I'll end up selling the the other males and. Um, or females and males, whatever I get. Um, but yeah, I'm going to probably keep another female just to have, just so I have that lineage because the dog's actually pretty old. We might actually have to, um, take it to the vet and do it that route because oh, gotcha. he's getting kind of old. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I guess, so I actually, that brings up a good question. I we don't want to get sidetracked on dogs here, but so that, that guess, so that doesn't matter if they're old as long. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. It's still there. No, you can actually, as long as you, if you can get semen and the dogs pass, you can use frozen semen. Huh. Um, yeah. So. And if they're worth that much, I guess it's worth every every bit you can get out of them. <laughs> okay. I think, I think they, I mean, it can go, everything like even bulls, like Bocephus, I think they end up freezing his, you know, and they, they he kept breeding. They kept producing bulls yeah, he was gone. long after he was gone. Yeah, so. <laughs> he's leaving his mark, man. <laughs> yeah, he's down and he, he's in bull heaven, looking down. Yeah, those are my boys. <laughs> right. So I, I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you, Alex, if you are you kind of we just kind of brought up a little bit ago about the difference between TV and YouTube, and uh, mm-hmm. I think there's huge. I mean, my opinion, and from what I've seen from my own our own channel, I think there's still huge room for growth in the waterfowl side of it. I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff out there and it's not a huge niche, but it's a big, I mean, it's a, there's a lot of duck hunters out there, you know, even around the world. Are you planning on at all, like kind of working harder at growing your YouTube or does it not really matter to you? Cause I mean, that could be actually a good little side money too. You know, and, and that's we'll just see how it goes. So right now, I, I don't know. I got some like eight thousand followers, so you know, it, it it's not huge. You know, if I, um, but it it's kind of yeah. You know, if it plays out right now, I put a lot of the last the, the six years of television that I invested in that and getting it is a tough industry. I'm not gonna lie. It it it, it wore me out. It really did. I had to actually when I left the grind. I had to take a break because I was so burned out from having to deal with big corporate America, dealing with everyone competing against you. You got young guys who come in and they want they they want to do it cheaper than you, and they got the talent to do it, and it's just it's just tough, you know. It just really is. And then of course there's egos in the industry to have to deal with, and I'm not big for dealing with guys with egos. I I just you know I've <laughs> I'm a firefighter. That's what I do. I I, I I, I've seen a lot of stuff in life, so right. I, I cherish life. I, 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 family, friends, they come first, and and that's just kind of the way I look at it. I, you know, I love my waterfowl hunting, and right now it's I do this for I do this for the passion. I'm doing this for the dogs. I'm doing this for my daughters. Um, I'm doing this for you know my friends. Um, so making film is just my passion. If it grows, great. Um, if my gun dog outdoors takes off, you know that's awesome. I'm, I'm 
you know, that's what I, I love to do and promote because it's mine. But at the end of the day, it's all about being in that marsh with, you know, your friends and your family and, and enjoying what life, you know, has to offer because it's, it's so dang short. And no if you go through it, it really is, you know. And so it's just, it's really changed my outlook and made me really, a, I think, a better person um, just the, the way I, I go about my business now. Yeah, and, you know, you saying that, it's like, because I'm, I'm a crop duster and helicopter, so I, I make a good living, too, and I, I like flying and stuff like that. But I like awesome. I like the, you know, I like I like videoing, and I'm getting better and better you know, mm-hmm. using the camera and I'm upgrading cameras and lenses and all this kind of stuff. But then at the same time, it's like I could see where I can totally understand, not even to your level, but just a little bit, a little while I've been doing it. I could totally see the burnout, not definitely not on the hunting, but trying to yeah. always get the shots. It's like, man, I just yeah. want to enjoy the moment, put the cameras in the yeah. bag and I don't even want to mess with it anymore. And I don't want to get to that point, you know, like I don't want to yeah. get to that point. But then at the same time, I'm like. I think with YouTube is a lot of it, people say it's talent and you do got to have some skill and you got to know, you know, you do got to know how to use the camera and edit a little bit with some music and this and that. But like at the same time, it's either going to go or it's not because I've seen some of the dumbest people put stuff on YouTube and it goes viral. I'm like, are you kidding me? I know you've seen it because you know how to edit and you see this stuff. You're like, how in the world is this? doofus over here yeah. putting his talking to the camera in his yeah. room act like a moron and it just millions of views so i think mm-hmm. a lot of it is so, so obviously somewhat luck but you do gotta you do gotta have the talent there somewhat but mm-hmm. it's man you know what i really liked the one thing i did like about it and i'll tell you even if it's just for this and it never gets big or nothing like that because it's not really about me being famous it started out me putting videos up of to be able to look back and remember hunts with my buddies and my family and all that That's stuff. That's so awesome. Right? That's exactly the way I brought it up to when we were filming. I said, you know what? If this goes nowhere, this is when I before I even started the the, the video series way back. You know, I think it's 17 years ago. Um, it, before we started that, it was it was just like at the very least, I have memories that I can look back on and remember hunts and, and the people I was with. And, and that's it. You, you absolutely nailed it. And have, you, and you, have you ever went and looked back at them? Yeah. yeah. I have, you know what I mean? And yeah. stuff's only two years old and I'm already going back, rewatching it, live, reliving that memory, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's kind of funny because I look, I look back at, at my old videos and they're so raw and they're so <laughs> just, I don't want to say innocent, but they're just like, there's, I didn't know what I was doing, Yeah. but it still turned out. I was actually, our first videos, we've, we, the first couple videos, we were actually doing reality stuff before reality stuff <laughs> was going on. Cause we were, yeah. we followed our season. We went up to Canada, filmed that. And you just, it, it was pretty much kind of reality television before it was reality. If you look at it, I just, I just kind of laugh at it now and just like, man, I didn't know, you know, filming one camera and trying to do all that stuff. It's funny. Yeah. I wonder where that's going because right now people want the now, the now, you know, it's like they, these guys are daily uploading and, and I was like, that will never, that will never happen because I have two kids and a wife, you know, and two, two daughters, a 10 year old and a seven year old. And I'm like, there's no way because I would literally you'd be filming and then you'd be editing the rest of the day. I mean that oh, it's more than a full time job. You know, it's not it's not just a full time job. Like it's it's your life and it's like how can you 
I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen so many people, couples, people that are married doing this YouTube thing together. They're doing the daily upload and they'll do it for two, three years. And either they either get divorced or like they just yeah. disappear. You can't sustain that kind you of can't. production. You don't. I mean, you, you, you look at any kind of regular production, tell, whether it be television or anything like that. It's hard enough to do good quality with some time, and now you're going to try to do good, good quality, um, instantaneous or live video stuff like that. It's just not. It's. I don't. If you get into that, you're not going to last. Like you're saying, I, I just don't. I couldn't do it. Let's put that way. Yeah. <laughs> I need. I need my relaxed time too. You know. I'm going to tell you something funny. If your daughter ever hears this, she's going to laugh because. <laughs> To kind of change the subject a little bit, we got to get back to the, some of the duck and I want to get some of your advice on some stuff. But to, just to bring Sierra Langbell up, it is hilarious. I don't know if you even caught on to this, probably not. But I literally thought when I watched <laughs> when I watched that small water ducks and all the ones that Sierra's in, I thought uh-huh. she was your wife. <laughs> like you everyone know, think that's my yeah. Everyone thinks that's my my sister or yeah. my yeah it's funny it's i don't know she probably yeah. don't, I don't know she likes that or who's that a compliment yeah. for <laughs> well I, that's what i said she, she's telling me that stuff and i go well it means either i look really young or you look really old yeah. no boy she so. is she turned she is successful huh oh boy she has definitely surpassed me and you know and she's because she's got all my good looks that's why <laughs> there you so. go no, no, she's she's just you know she's um the hunting industry has been craving to get women and kids in it for a long time and so now it's the time he's got all these women who are good hunters who are I mean Sierra's a good hunter I'll tell you that right now I know where she learned her hunting from and so she's um she she's proven herself she's not one that just goes out and has someone hold her hand and go shoot this and all this stuff she goes out and she hunts by herself i can remember her call me call me from canada she's in the woods and she's and she's like nervous because she's bear hunting on the ground she's by herself and she's trying to tell me that they had a grizzly sighting up there and she was worried about it. she asked you know what should i do now you're and worried so, yeah, now I'm worried. Thanks for telling me, daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I gave her the best advice, and she she did get eaten. So <laughs> she made it out of the woods, and she ended up actually shooting a pretty nice bear. Wow. So, so what she got? She's she's got sick going on too. Like she, what, oh, wow. what was she's, the deal with that? Uh, she's representing several companies. She's uh, she's hired by the companies to do a lot of social media, uh, promote them, take pictures. She's a really good photographer. She's really gotten, um you know gotten that figured out and so she's uh she's just doing really well she owns part of a taxidermy um company um she part owner of her bar she manages that um so she's just got her hands in all sorts of stuff she's uh really uh, right now her big thing is she's all about the environment and trying to do her little part and and helping the environment and stuff like that and uh, our wildlife and stuff like that and so she's uh yeah she's some she's a cool chick she really is. I'm so proud of her and where she's getting. We're 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 best buds. We always get together every year. Try to make a couple of hunts. And so she's 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 a she's a real deal. Hey Alex, not to go back to what we were talking about too much, but mm-hmm. um, as far as the goose hunting, like we we don't do as much goose hunting, I'd say, as duck hunting. And mm-hmm. you know we've always kind of played around with it and. Um, mm-hmm. 
Actually, when I was talking to you at that um, that calling competition in Calusa, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, guys were kind of talking about some crazy things that you do with decoys and 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 stuff like that. I mean, is there any kind of tips or tricks that you can share? I don't want I don't want you to share too much, but <laughs> a little something something for the for the rest of us. Yeah, a little teaser. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you a good one, okay? This is a good one. I, We're listening. We could literally sit here, and I could sit here and drink beer with you all night, and we could talk about how to kill geese because, in fact, I'm doing three seminars this, this weekend in Idaho. So I'm going to give you a good tip, okay? So uh, if you want to say you're looking at a field, and, you, and geese are using the field, but they're not where you want to hunt them, Okay. Um, you because this other part of the field has got a better hide in it. It's just a it's just a better spot. You can actually train those birds to land right in front of your blind, and this is how. So you get out, you go out, and you get yourself. And we call them tollers, but while they are just decoys, you take you get about four to six decoys, um, goose decoys. And before the birds fly, you know they're going in this field. You could you put them out and around where they're landing. Right, and so they'll go in. They'll usually land with them. As soon as you get live birds in your decoys, all the other birds are going to land. So now you've got a bunch of birds in your decoys. The, the birds leave. The next day, that evening, you pick up your decoys. The next day, you grab those decoys and you put a little bit closer to where you want them to hunt, maybe 50 yards. Right? So you set them out there. Well, guess where those birds are landing? Right where those birds are. All of a sudden, you had all the birds. You just moved them 50 yards in that field. Well, you do this for three, four days, and you put them, the final day, you put them right in front of your blind. And if this is private property, you go in and you build your blinds, layout blinds, whatever, a couple of days prior to that. And so now, literally that last day, the day before you go to hunt them, you put them out 30 yards in front of your decoys with your blinds in there with no one in them. And guess what happens? You've got all these birds all of a sudden trained to go land right in front of your blinds. So when you go out the next day, you go out and you take a couple dozen decoys, throw them out there right where you had them, and you're going to have a shoot. Wow. I think I'm going to cut this off the podcast and not share <laughs> this with everybody. Just to let everybody. you know, we can't edit these. It's a good so one. Don't, it's a, guy, don't it's a guide trick, and it's called <laughs> manipulating the birds where they go. Wow. And you can completely. I've done this many, many times. Genius, but literally got, genius. Yeah, but you, it, you got you got to spend time. You got to do it. You got to watch the birds. You got to move them. But um, yeah, it's a it's a great. Now great you're tip. saying a couple dozen. Is that is that for like Canada's cacklers? What kind of what kind of? Okay, so I kind of have a rule of thumb. Um, when when I look at a field, and this isn't this is for big geese. Um, I normally will try to use half of what they have because big geese, they don't want to be in big flocks. They like family groups. They like to be in their, their little group. They like room. In fact, you see a field with a bunch of big geese in there, and all of a sudden the little squeaky ones, you know, the lessers come in, tacklers, whatever, come in, land. All of a sudden those big geese, they just can't stand the noise, all the chaos. I just consider, like, you got adults of the big geese, and the little geese are children. They got them all running around, and eventually the adults get tired of the children. And they go off and they either fly to other part of the field or they just leave the field. It's just, I see it all the time. 
So um, what I like to do is if I'm on big yeast, I try to use half the decoys. Um, don't be afraid to use small spreads. I mean, I've killed many, many geese set up on fields of honkers, a couple hundred with two dozen decoys. Uh, it just, you know, you just small spreads really can kill birds. Now, as far as Canada, if I'm there hunting there, I'm not going to throw two dozen. I'm going to throw a big spread because they're migrating down. Now, little geese, you're going to want to use big, big spreads, and you're going to want to try to get in the middle of the field if you can, or if you can't, do what I what I did was talking about um, manipulating them. Or what's another good trick? Because those little geese, they don't want to land near the edge. They want to land in the middle of the field. Another good trick is take your decoy spread, push them way out there, about 70 yards, 60 yards. And you're not shooting them when they land the decoys. You're shooting them when they swing around the decoys. So they're going to circle several times. And when they circle, they're going to circle right up over your blinds in, in the edge of that field. A lot of times our fields here, you got winter wheat field, but all around the edge, you got either, you know, tall brush or sage or tumbleweeds or whatever. Or you can build your own hide. You can grab tumbleweeds or whatever and just put your blinds in there, make it nice and tapered and leave it there. You know, so that's another little tip that you guys can do is if you want to whack small geese because they and you have no way of getting in the middle of the field, you don't have a pit in it or the cover's too small where you can't put blinds into the field. You can hunt them on the edge, but you got to push those decoys out and you shoot them on that swing around when they're circling, right? Because they're not looking at you. They're looking at the decoys. And, and so that's that's another that's pretty deadly too. That's yeah, how absolutely. all the gui guides. Up, yeah, that's how, how all the guides. A lot of the guides up here on. They push them out seven. All the decoys seven yards out, and now the birds feel safe because there's no lumps out there in the field. Mm -hmm. But they're not looking at the edge right. where you're not even close to a decoy. Right. You surf. Yeah. You as they that's circle, they make. That's almost better their, than they, having a layout in the field, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Absolutely. Thank if, you. Yeah. You bet. Yeah, no. <laughs> Try that yeah. one. I guarantee you'll kill geese using that trick too. Is now is that where you feel like your that's your specialty is doing the the dark geese? Is that kind of where you feel like your yeah specialty I, I, is, or I mean like again, I, I I learned real quick from some two really waterfowlers that in the area. Um, they took me that next level. I was always a really good waterfowler, but then they took me to just rock star status with the. I mean, you know they they were just good at it and uh one guy i mean he's in the 60s now steve schultz he, he just was phenomenal and he's in the area and, and uh he um uh, yeah so they just kind of get taught me and i learned and i you know and i hunted of course i got better at it and you know when they put you when you go in a pit in the middle of the field and and it's just you and seven guys with brand new hunting gear from seattle <laughs> and they they're you know spending the money to hunt um pay you they expect you to kill birds so right, right. It's a lot of pressure on a person absolutely so i you know I, I learned real quick how to how to call how to call to them how to set up decoys um how to build a beautiful spread i hunted over stuffers i had a, probably the prettiest stuffer spread in, in eastern washington at one point i really I 12 do yeah 12 dozen lessers on swivel stands that i made myself because i've done taxidermy my buddy travis that uh, we all he basically is the one that taught me how to duck hunt he's a really good taxidermist too and i've i've probably did i've probably did about 15 birds myself and i he it's it really helped me advance quicker than him because he was doing out of books because there really wasn't nothing 
online. He's kind of self-taught, but then he went to this guy up in actually Montana, Eugene Streakstra. He's a really good taxidermist. But let me ask you, is that a huge difference using the stuff stuffers like that versus regular decoys? I mean, it's got to be. It is. Yeah, it is when there's a lot of pressure or if any kind of frost or anything like that because feathers don't shine. I mean, they do, but they don't shine like ice does. So um, it, the the big thing I can tell you, and this is how you know they work, the birds don't jump out of them. Whereas you have plastic decoys, the birds land in there, eventually they jump out of them. They don't just sit in there with this big spread. Uh. You know, four four. four Six plastics won't matter when you have live geese landing and more geese are coming in. But when you have a spread of 10 dozen plastic geese, you, your birds are going to jump out of there. We've had we, birds come in there, they land, and they don't leave. They're, wow. They just don't. Yeah. Yeah, and you so see it, them looking at around the plastic ones and like, get this ain't right and yeah, get out of there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. how nice – and I don't want to drag you out too long. We're almost sitting at an hour, but I got to ask you, you know, like how detailed do you really need to get detailed with those? Because I mean, no, you just got just somewhat anatomy just to have a good shape. Um, I got real, you know, I made 300 of them. Oh. I made some for me and made some for my friends. How long could it, trailers, how long did it take you to put one together? Well, that was a, that was a three, three, four year project of building oh, wow. those, you know. Yeah, just building them, but my like I said, my trailer was absolutely beautiful. When they, when they had uh, the stands, um, I actually we came up with a system to where we put they weren't on wood stands. We had metal swivel stands like they that like they have now the decoys have now. We so we yeah we put them on stands before the stands were actually wow, out, and we made them swivel. So they're they're pretty sick, and I'll, I'll tell you a quick quick story about Avery's lesser decoy or the Greenhead Gear decoy. So they decided back then we were guiding out. So I was on the pro staff, and then Fred Zink was in charge of carving the decoys, and so they carved the lesser decoy. They're going to launch it, Greenhead Gear lesser decoy. They carved the decoy, and they sent it. They sent it sent us out a bunch of them and i was like you got the color all wrong they're way too light they're just not these aren't our birds so we're hunting up here we're hunting a lot of birds are coming through alaska and then coming through the you know albertans of the northern territories and i said these aren't you know this isn't our color and so i and then they just didn't, didn't really understand so finally i got tired of it like so i took one of my stuffers i boxed it up i just made it it was fresh box it up beautiful little stuffer Sent it over, sent it to Fred. <laughs> and then next thing you know, I'm sitting in a pit hunting with my, my partner, Craig, and a couple of buddies. And I get a phone call from Freddie. And he and he's on a conference call. And he goes, hey, he goes, uh, hey, Alex, I'm sitting here in a Avery meeting with Tom Matthews and a bunch of the, the guys. And we just looked at your, we just opened up your box that you sent. And we got sitting here on the table. And he. I can't believe how dark it is. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. That's what they are. <laughs> They're dark geese, dark geese. <laughs> and so they they actually, the next year, they changed the paint scheme because uh, of that stuff. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. <laughs> yeah. So they got it right after that. They were wow. nice dark little geese. and So I thought that's kind of funny. Like, that's hilarious. To, that is yeah. funny. Wow. That. Yeah. That just gets the wheels spinning thinking about putting that together because, like, I know we could do that. And, you know, if the parts aren't a lot to, you know, 
the head no, and the eyes and the body and all no, that stuff, you know. No. You, yeah, you're talking 20 to $25 for a decoy if you right. make it yourself compared to how much you're going to pay for some of these custom decoys that now, you know, what, $400 for six of them or something like right. that. for geese decoys, yeah. <laughs> but here's – is that legal in every state? I don't know. Every, it's illegal in our state, and I don't see why not. You can't sell them. Cause, yeah. But you can certainly you can certainly hunt over them and make them. They're using them all over here. I've had game wardens walk through my spread, and so I even you know, with like du- even with ducks and everything too. Yeah, yeah. They're, as long as they're yours, I mean, they're, they're, they're just all this is an amount, you know. I think I'm gonna have to chew Travis out for not uh, making me about a dozen of those. <laughs> <Right? laughs> Put about a dozen mallards together. That I mean, that yeah. could be a huge. Huge game. Like, my wheels are spinning right now. Mm-hmm. I'm no like, doubt. What, have, what have I been doing this whole time? Buying these decoys when I know how to... Right. We got all these birds in the freezer. We could be thrown together. Yes, yes absolutely you should. And I got... I'm going to... I... Um, and I'm building a, a, another spread. <laughs> I am. Well, I'm okay, let's get back spread. to that. Let's get back to that again, Alex. How long has it taken you to... I mean, you, you've been... You've put hundreds and who knows i don't yeah. know maybe thousands i don't know but you've yeah. put them together how long has that really taken you because i know you gotta skin it out you gotta flesh it right you gotta do uh actually you don't flesh it really you don't take all this fat off you leave the grease on because that actually keeps a waterproofing on it now the big geese the little geese you don't have to worry about they'll never grease up those big geese eventually will they'll get grease in the bottom the incision they'll come down so i try to cut out some of the bigger stuff but do not take the skin off them. really just just oh, excuse me the fat off them. leave the fat it's a simple i've mounted a lesser in 50 minutes finished wow yeah. from start so, from skinning it out from start to finish from, and i've hunted over the next day I've taken a freaking goose, shot it, stuffed it. Took it out the <laughs> Dude, that's epic. I'm pretty sure. Uh, that is epic. Like, hey, is that Harry down there? <laughs> <laughs> he was in the same flock the day before. <laughs> that's my cousin. Yeah, we were we to There he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. You've got to be yeah. kidding me. Man. No, no. I've, I've literally done that. So. Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> This yeah. I this we're not even scratching the surface. I have this weird feeling we're not even scratching the surface oh, of I all your so history that you have yeah. of the things. You, well, let, yeah, man, I, got, I, I got. I'm pretty entertaining when you get me. You get, <laughs> throw a few beers, maybe a shot of tequila in me. We can talk waterfowl for days. <laughs> oh my goodness, we gotta like go in person and hang out. I'm serious. Yes, you do. Hey, you do. Um, so what's your Thomas initiated this from the day one of the first podcast, and we're I think this okay. is only our ninth. What is your craziest story? Like, what is the most wild thing you've had happen to you? That might be hard to <laughs> sift through, but just... oh man, the, the craziest. I know. Thing? Oh, it, I should have gave you that in advance. That way, yeah, you were I ready. Gave you that. Um, <laughs> I, I have know. a feeling There's you have so many, pretty... you just don't know which one to think of. Probably, I do have a ton. I do have. I have a bunch of them. I got... I'll give you... Okay, so okay, so I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you quick. This is, comes off the top of my head. Yeah. So we're filming our, our second episode, or excuse me, second um, DVD. We fly to Maryland. We're gonna see duck hunt, and this was Avery. So we hook up with um, good friends um, from Avery Pro Staffers, and they became friends and stuff. And so 
we're gonna, they're gonna take us out in these those layout boats out in the Chesapeake Bay because that's what we're gonna do, right? You're in Maryland and Chesapeake Bay, you're gonna shoot divers out of those layout boats. So it's like, okay, let's do this. So it was me and my partner Craig, and then uh, the two two of the Avery guys. And so we get in their boat, and they got that, and they got the layout. That's the tender, and then they got the regular layout boats that they're pulling, they're dragging along with us. It's foggy, it's nasty, um, it, it's just just crazy conditions to be going out. But they seem that this is normal for them. I'm like, all right, well, you do this all the time, so I'm following your lead. So anyway, we go out, and then we're going around. We're we're just lost in the fog. We're just going around in circles at this point, and I'm like, kind of. I, at one point, it's like, you know, in what's a, that movie Vacation, we're like, look, kids, Big Ten Parliament, when they're talking, they go in circles. <laughs> That's how I felt. It was just like over and over. It's like, didn't we see that, that, that <laughs> post sticking out of the water? And, and, and they're, they're, all of a sudden now these guys who are, I'm like, trusting, they're, they're like yelling at each other. <laughs> they're like, lost. <laughs> yeah. And so finally the fog lifts a little bit and, and we're like, okay, they get us to where we need to be. And it's out in the middle. And it you think it's a bay. Well, it's like the freaking ocean. I mean, there's <laughs> a chop and there's wave. And, and like my, my partner Craig's like, no way am I getting in that. And I was like, well, I'll do it. I don't care. I, you know, <laughs> I got <laughs> crazy. And so I get in with the guy, the other, the eight one Navy guys, Wayne, we jump there and as as the skiff is pulling away, he tells me, he goes, you know, this is the roughest I've ever been out <laughs> I'm like, what? As he's driving <laughs> off. <laughs> oh. So I was like, what? <laughs> you know, he's, I mean, he's, you know, th- mid-30s, but I'm thinking he's 20-something years, you know? And he literally tells me, this is the roughest I've ever been out here. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, because you're, lay- you're in a layout, right? Yeah, we I ruined a freaking $2,000 camera. Like, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, how got how so big were the waves? Uh, we, were, we were getting wet. <laughs> they oh, have this ba- It's a two-man layout boat. Right. They have this, this thing that pops up the back, and that's to yes. prevent waves from crashing in. Yeah. It didn't prevent crap. <laughs> really, yeah. Because we me and Thomas went in a layout in uh, uh, Lake Michigan for um, Old Squaw, and mm-hmm. oh, how big do you think those roll? They were just slow rollers. I That's totally different. See, Ooh. like, I'd be way more freaked out because you were in the Atlantic, I mean, we're just in a lake, yeah. you know, this and is, it's like yeah. totally different. Yeah. No, this was chop. And, oh. rent, and it was it was like you would lose the ducks in the chop. They were flying so low oh, and you get goodness. chop. It's yeah. like how you hit anything because it was hard, yeah. it was hard <laughs> to hit. It's hard, birds. man. It's harder hard. than people think. <laughs> yes. Oh, it is. And they're top too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You got to keep, keep shooting those things until it's like, man. Yeah. So. That's. So my daughter's convinced me. So eight, ten years later to go back to Maryland and shoot sea ducks. Uh-uh. So I'm doing that this year with her. So you'll see that on film. We'll be filming that as well. That'll awesome. be awesome. What are you mainly targeting? Is it more like camp, like cans um, and whatever? Yeah, I'd like to shoot some whole squaw, um, yeah. stuff like that. Maybe getting. I don't know. I'm sure we shot a bunch of those those um, 
the uh, scoters. I call them sea coots. Yeah, scoters. I call yeah. them sea coots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're only they're only precious to us because we don't shoot them all. You know, see them all the time. <laughs> yeah, huh. they're funny. nasty. They're uh, nasty. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I mean, but, he can't no, eat those things. Probably can he? No, I don't, I don't know. What you <laughs> I don't know of any of those sea ducks that you really want to yeah. sit there and make yeah. a steak out of. I'm gonna say I eat them and big jerky out. <laughs> right. Pepper sticks. Give those yeah, to your dog. About, you can about ten per- <laughs> Yeah, give them to your <laughs> give them to uh, your dog. But you, you, about ten percent duck and ninety percent of it's actually yeah, beef. Well, that's how exactly. <laughs> you gotta oh, mix man. it well. Well, man, we. I, I mean, I honestly, like you said, I think we could literally go on for three hours and. And I, I don't try to uh, limit it because of anything, but we all, you know, I know you got a life and everything, and I really appreciate yep. Alex for coming on. You definitely, you definitely gonna have to come on for sure again soon. Hopefully, we yeah, can make it again. Absolutely, this, absolutely. It'd yeah. be really be maybe next. Yeah, it'd be yeah. really fun to do one in person one of these days if we can ever oh, hook man. up. That'd be that'd be really be awesome. Yeah, let's let's try to do that. We'll try to get together and maybe make a hunt out of it and do it. Then maybe do it live from that would be awesome. That'd be kind of fun. That would be awesome. I actually, there's a guy and I can't remember his name. I have to go back in my Instagram messages. But there's a guy that we've been really serious talking to. Uh, kills a ton of mallards, but he was like inviting us to come up there. So I was like, I told Thomas I was thinking about you. I was like, man, maybe we could somehow. You know, when we're up there, we were talking about doing it this year, but I know you're busy too, so who knows if they'll even yeah. the time times will collide. Yeah. But it'd be really awesome to um, at least just see and meet. I know Thomas yeah. already met you in person, but at least just even if it was just dinner or lunch or whatever, it's not not to be a hunt. Yeah. But no, yeah. that's just great. Let's plan it. It'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. So guys, I, check I, I, check out Gun Dog Outdoors. I've seen it in person. My buddy Colton, he has it. It's an incredible system for your dogs to keep them safe from getting shot. In fact, uh, Alex, I'm going to buy one here pretty soon because we're going to be going to Canada in October, October, right, Thomas? We're going to be going to uh, Canada in October, and I, I want to get one for Rocky just to make sure, you know, because we're going to be hunting cornfields, whatever. But check him out on there. Check him out on, on YouTube, um, Alex Lingbell Outdoors, also Alex Lingbell on Instagram, and, and you're on Facebook too, right? Correct, I am. And a lot of the stuff that gets posted just on Instagram from Facebook, So, but yeah, i got to be on both platforms, obviously. Just right. For, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if Facebook's even worth it, but still, you got. I know. it feels it's, like you got to do it. I thought about yeah. turning off, but I don't know. <laughs> I know that's there's people still the older the older folks like yep. myself still live on Facebook, but I I'm a big Instagram fan. I'm I like looking at the pictures and yep. the simplest. I'm not a big fan of all the all the ads on Facebook and stuff right. like that. So so yeah, check them out and uh, yeah, I really appreciate Alex coming on here and, and enjoyed it literally every single second of this podcast and we look forward to talking to you again. Thank you so much, Let's man, for it. your time. Yeah, it was a blast talking to you. You bet, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, let's get together and hunt and uh, do another podcast, and we'll talk about some some more crazy stuff that's happened to me. <laughs> I, I would love to. We're going to do that. All right, guys. We will see you next time, and uh, thanks for listening in. Thanks.